Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs, or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. But thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. I begrudgingly earn a living repossessing bank collateral in the form of motor vehicles. As you can probably imagine, most people I deal with are not happy to see me. But for some background, I'm not your typical repo man by looking at me. Most guys that I work with are over 6'3", 200-300 pounds, bald with a beard. I know that sounds specific, but it really does hold true in my experience. I, on the other hand, am 5'11", 150 pounds, but I do have a beard. So, I was working out during the day and checking a retail location for a vehicle that I'd been searching for. The address that I was checking was located in a large mall area. I glanced in my rearview mirror to see a red Ford Focus behind me. He made a few of the same turns I did, but I didn't think twice about it. After the 7th or 8th turn that he mimicked, though, I decided to pull into a parking lot. I figured that he would either move on or come and talk to me, if that was his goal. I noticed that he was on the phone in my rear view. I parked the truck and watched the car as it parked about 50 feet from me. I noticed the man driving the Focus was staring and pointing at me though as he spoke on the phone, so I decided to ask what his deal was. When I approached, he got out of his vehicle, which was alarming, so I backed off and didn't get closer. I leaned my head out of my open window and I said, Hey sir, is there a reason you're following me? He moves his phone from his ear, covering the microphone, and yells, Yeah, you're harassing people on private property. The cops are on their way. I told him that that was fine and I would wait around to speak to the police. He yelled some more unintelligible nonsense as I put my window up and sat pretty waiting for the police. 
A few minutes later, a cruiser shows up behind me. The officer approached my window and we spoke about the situation. I told him that I'm permitted on private property unless I'm explicitly asked to leave by someone who owns the property or works security, which he agreed with. Long story short, the police told me that I was good to go and asked that I not engage with this man as I left. I complied and planned to move on with my day. About 20 minutes after all of this, I glanced in my rear view to see the same focus driving a couple of cars behind me. So, I parked again, out of frustration now. I immediately exited my truck and lit a cigarette. The man driving his car screeched up beside me and exited his car without putting it in park, rather just putting it in neutral. As his car begins to roll away, he is turned away from it, screaming at me about violating his right to privacy and harassing the public at this mall. I calmly told him that I was already cleared by the PD and that I was losing patience. I told him that he needed to leave right then before I called the police. And it was at this point that his vehicle struck the concrete base of a light pole and stopped. He started screaming and saying that I crashed his car. I told him that I had dashcam footage that would negate that claim and that's when he charged me. Now remember, I'm not a big guy but I've dealt with plenty of confrontation at this job and this guy did not appear coordinated at all. I stepped out of his path and guided him to the ground, telling him to stay down while I leave and to leave me alone. I got in my truck and I left. But looking back, I absolutely should have called the police again as I've gotten the officer's cell phone number and badge number and everything. But this story all comes to a head two nights later in a bizarre turn of events that genuinely scared me. At this point, I had just gotten married to my lovely wife and we were living in our little one bedroom in our hip little suburb of my major Midwest city. It was a Friday night and I decided I would go and grab some beers for the wife and I to enjoy after a long week. As I was leaving the store without booze, I saw a maroon Ford Focus in the parking lot, seemingly unoccupied. I made a mental note of the coincidence given the bizarre ordeal that I had a couple of days prior, but didn't think too much more of it. As I pulled into my apartment's parking lot, the Focus pulled in behind me. I hadn't noticed it followed me until this point, and I lived on the third floor, so I decided I was going to hustle up the steps, just in case this was the same guy, and he'd stalked me or something in order to extract his revenge for whatever perceived transgression that I'd bothered him with. But my plan didn't work. He followed me to my patio, where my wife was waiting, again, unbeknownst to me. I was apparently not feeling very observant that night. And that was when this guy snuck up, crouching behind our small fence. Neither of us knew that he was there until he said, still hidden from view, pretty girl. I snapped to my feet and began to look around when I spotted him. I knew instantly it was him too, and I immediately ordered my wife to go inside, lock the door and call the police. When I approached him, he drew a small switchblade and pointed it at my belly. I began to back up with my hands up saying something along the lines of, we don't have to do this, what do you want? And he told me that he wanted me to call my wife back outside, but that was not going to happen. I'd rather be stabbed and expose her to this man, so I told him as much. He lunged at me with the knife, grazing and cutting my side as I attempted to grab and redirect his forearm. Then he went to the ground where he lost his knife. I got some knees to connect to his head and when the police lights became visible I heard shouting. 
Long story short, Buddy was arrested on site, and I provided the badge number and the PD of the officer from work a couple of days prior in order to corroborate my claims. I decided to press charges, and as far as I know, he's awaiting a court date. I'm sure that I'll have to be involved in it, which I'm not looking forward to. Apartments.com believes that a dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time that you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. On exactly May 26th of 2017, me and my brother Brandon and his friend Herbie went on a spur-of-the-moment camping trip. The spot that we had in mind was a place not far from where we lived, behind a church called Holtz Baptist Church. When I got off work, I met Brandon and Herbie at our grandparents' house to get our gear ready and we made it a sort of bare-bones trip due to the short amount of time that we had to get everything ready. Of course, being the outdoors lover that she was, my dog Angel was going to tag along with us. If you haven't heard my other story, she's a Jack Russell Rat Terrier mix. So we loaded up our stuff and ourselves into my grandfather's little blue Ford Festiva and we were off towards our spot. It's about a 10 minute drive from our grandparents' house, so in a short time we'd arrive there. The place where you park is beside the church and it's gated off so that nobody can take their trucks or four-wheelers down the gravel road. So we unloaded the Festiva, climbed over the gate and started making our way towards the campsite. About a hundred feet into the gravel road, the lake had risen up into it so we couldn't actually walk across and keep going. Instead, we found a small deer trail that led up the bank and around the water. There was a lower trail that ran parallel to the bank and the higher trail went up a little higher. For whatever reason, we took the higher trail and for a short while we snaked through the woods and finally we reached the end of the deer trail. It abruptly ended at the side of the bank and we had to slide down it about 10 feet I'd say to get back onto the gravel road. But once we were all back down, it was about a third of a mile back to where we would be setting up camp. It was hot that day and there were ticks and mosquitoes just everywhere biting us constantly. When we made it to camp though, we sat our stuff down and started looking for ticks that might have hitched a ride onto our pant legs. Sure enough, we found a lot of ticks on us all. This irritated Brandon extremely as he had found one in his hair. Herbie and I just laughed as we cursed and fumbled around trying to get the tick off of him. And shortly after that, we set up camp. It was a simple campsite, just nestled down in a small flat spot down near the lake. It's actually a really nice spot. I started setting up tent and I sent the other two with the axe to look for some dry wood. I tied Angel to a small tree next to the tent and as soon as I got it set up, she just kind of plopped down in front of it as if she had put it up or something. About that time, the boys had drug back some sticks and things like that back to the site. Some of them were dry but most of them were a little damp. 
I'm pretty good at making fires, so with a little persuasion, the fire finally got started around dusk or so. My brother jokingly yelled out, When are you going to cook some food, honey? I'm starving. I agreed and went back to my backpack to get out the cast iron skillet, only to realize that I had left the stupid thing sitting at the house instead of putting it in my bag. Slightly irritated, I went to go get the hot dogs out of the cooler. I guess we'll be cooking our wieners on a stick tonight, boys, I said as I turned around holding the pack of hot dogs. Then I noticed Brandon's peace tea can laying on the ground in front of him. I asked him to hand me the can and I promptly cut off the top of it, washed it out, filled it halfway with some of our drinking water, put some hot dogs in it and sat it down in the coals of the fire. Turns out we didn't even need the stupid cast iron skillet. In about 10 minutes, the dogs were all cooked and we were ready to eat. I handed them out and we all chowed down on them and, of course, I couldn't leave Angel out, so I ripped one of the hot dogs up and I gave it to her. We all finished and put the food stuff away and I grabbed a Red Bull out of the cooler, cracked it open and asked Herbie if he had ever seen a ghost before. <laughs> well, I can't see what doesn't exist, he said, laughing back. You don't believe in ghosts? I asked. Ah, oh, man, that shit ain't real. It's just for movies. Brandon and I had shared some of our stories with Herbie before, but he didn't believe us. Y'all were just on shrooms or something when we saw that shit. There's no way that it was actually real, he said, laughing again. I said, One day something's gonna happen to you, man, that scares you shitless, and you're gonna have no explanation for it. And when it does, you'll believe me then. He just shrugged it off and we continued talking about all different things for a few more hours. We were all tired after talking and shooting the breeze, so we all agreed that it was time to hit the sheets. We all climbed into the tent and started getting settled in. From left to right, it was me, an angel, Brandon and then Herbie. I think Herbie and I fell asleep before Brandon. I'm not sure how long I was asleep too before Brandon woke me up saying... Man, there's ticks just all over this tent, and they're getting on me. In my halfway asleepness, I just told him to shut up and go back to sleep. He said that he hadn't been to bed yet because of the ticks, and he said that he was hearing things outside of the tent. Something splashing around in the water. I told him that it was probably just a fish and not to worry about it. I fell asleep again, and about an hour later was woken up once more, but this time... I was hearing things outside the tent too. Brandon had fell asleep and behind our tent I could hear what sounded like somebody getting out of the lake and taking steps through the woods. It sounded like when you get out of a pool and all of the water kind of splatters and drips underneath you. This obviously kind of freaked me out a bit but I was so sleepy that I just fell back asleep right after that. I was woken up again and this time... It was Brandon smacking me to get up. I raised up and asked what was wrong with him. Dude, I found a tick in my ear. I'm tired of this campsite, man. Let's just get out of here. I looked at my phone and it was about 4am at this point. I sighed and agreed to leave just so that he would shut up about it. We shook Herbie awake and got out of the tent and it was pitch black out so I tried to start the fire back up but all the wood was too damp and it just wouldn't catch. With no light I went searching for my flashlights that I'd brought with us. I turned it on and nothing. 
It was completely dead. Great, I thought. I got my iPhone and turned the flashlight on and the warning popped up saying that I only had 20% battery left. Slightly pissed at this point, I told them to help me get all the stuff together so that we can leave before the phone dies and we don't have any light. Like every camping trip ever, the gear you bring is never packed up well when you go to leave as well. Our sleeping bags were sloppily rolled up, the tent bag was stuffed full in a really awkward way which made it hard to carry properly, our chairs kept coming undone and getting caught on everything and it wasn't a very fun walk back. I was walking Angel on a leash with my other hands full of gear. The boys both had their hands full too. Brandon was carrying the axe in a very haphazardous way which it kind of made me a bit nervous but my hands were just so awkwardly packed that I had to sit it all down and just kind of readjust it all. But once I sat down, I looked down at Angel and she was dead fixed on something in front of us in the darkness, her hair standing up on her back and she was growling now. I assumed that it was a raccoon or a possum and just motioned her to look away, but she wasn't having it. She stayed locked onto the dark and just wouldn't budge. I just readjusted my stuff and we pushed on at this point. And as we were walking around the last corner to where the lake had come over the gravel path, I caught sight of something running on two legs around the corner towards the water. The boys didn't see it, but this thoroughly freaked me out and I demanded that Brandon give me the axe in exchange for Angel. We slowly walked forward and then we all saw it. It was a... A small humanoid shaped figure. It was really short and maybe two feet tall and looked as if it just had no neck. I couldn't make out any features on its face or anything because my light wasn't that powerful. It just showed silhouettes. Angel started nearly choking herself trying to chase the creature, growling and barking angrily and upon hearing Angel, it immediately turned and ran towards the water and dove right in. In disbelief, we just kind of stood there listening to it splash around and then it just started screeching. It sounded aggressive and honestly, it scared the crap out of all of us. Boys, go up the bank now, I said to the guys and we all ran for the bank. Mind you, this bank is about 10 feet high and is nearly straight up and down. We all frantically tried to get up and struggled because of all the gear that we were carrying Angel was also fighting Brandon, trying to go back and fight the creature, and it was preventing him from getting up the bank. And at this point, I hear the creature get out of the water and start running towards where we were at. It was making this strange kind of gurgling noise as it was running. My fear took over, and I reached down to Brandon, grabbed his pants by the waist, and threw him and Angel both on the top of the bank. I then just yelled, Trail, run, go, it's coming, the bank. And I wasn't lying, because as we started running, I could hear it scratching at the shale bank behind us, continuing to make the disturbing gurgling noise. We all ran through the woods fighting low-hanging branches, blackberry bushes, spider webs and roots as we hear the creature jump back into the water and screech at us. We ran until we saw what we didn't want to see, the bank again. We had stupidly taken the wrong trail and ended up closer to the water, and therefore the creature too. My brother and Herbie were both in tears at this point, screaming at me, what the fuck is that thing? What do we do? So I started swinging the axe and hitting anything that I could to try and scare the creature away. 
I started screaming back at it, but then we started hearing things walking above us too. I picked up Angel and we all just ran for it and through the bush and we just made our own path back down to the gravel road. And once we got back to the gravel, we ran as fast as we could back to the Festiva. In a blind panic, I forced the rear hatch open, threw Angel in, shoved Herbie into the back seat, Brandon jumped into the passenger seat and then I got in. As soon as the car started, I took off as fast as the little Ford would go, and the ride home was very quiet. I broke the silence, though, with the question, did, did that really just happen? Is everyone alright? And they both replied, yes, it really did. But I could tell by the look on their faces that they were both petrified. We stopped at a waffle house in town for breakfast and we just kind of sat there quietly eating. Everybody was still freaked out. Even our waitress noticed that we were pale and asked what was wrong. We made up some lie because Lord knows that there's no way that she would believe us even if we did tell her. It truly scared us all and to this day I have no idea what it could have been. I know that it ran on two legs and the screech was just unforgettable if you've made it this far too, please let me know your thoughts because I really want to know what you guys think of all this. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs, or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. I was 15 years old, and back in those days, you'd usually catch my friends and I at the big AMC movie theater. It's a huge theater. It kind of reminds me of an airport almost, and it was a popular hangout for kids that age on weekends. I remember going to the movies one night with friends, and a group of guys approached us. We started chatting and flirting, I must admit, as you do at that age, and they said that they went to one of the local high schools. One of the guys that I was talking to eventually asked for my phone number and I gave it to him. I was naive and thought that this was pretty harmless and these were the days before cell phones were ubiquitous so I gave him my home phone number. And to my surprise, he called me maybe a day or two after that and we talked for a bit. 
but we had a few more phone conversations here and there before he asked me on a date. As we made plans to meet, he told me that he needed to tell me something. He admitted that he wasn't actually 16 or whatever age he said he was and he wasn't even in high school. He was 22 in fact. I fell silent, trying to think of my response, but there was more. Not only was he 22, but he had been in prison and was recently released. Why? For accessory to murder for being in the car when his friend shot someone while they were driving by. I still remember the feeling of just being frozen in fear and I calmly said that I didn't want to talk to him anymore and to please never call me again and I hung up. After I hung up though, the phone immediately started ringing. I picked it up, but before I could even say hello, this man had called back and was already screaming at the top of his lungs into the phone. I can't remember exactly what he was saying, but it was along the lines of, don't you ever hang up on me again, calling me every name in the book. So what did I do? I hung up again, this time leaving the phone off of the receiver. I remember being so scared to tell my parents because I didn't want them to be disappointed in me. They were always so proud of me for making good decisions. It was my fault after all, giving some guy I'd just met my phone number, so I didn't say anything at first. The calls kept coming, but to keep my parents in the dark, I usually made sure that I was the one answering the phone when it rang, and he told me that he had put my home phone number into a reverse phone directory and found my address. He would call and say things like, I like your sister's new green car to make sure I knew that he was watching the house. Around this time, I developed a fear of being home alone. I couldn't be alone even for a minute, so if my parents and sister were ever gone, I'd call a neighbor friend to spend time with me. One night, my parents were in bed, but my sister and I were up late watching TV. When we saw a car pull into our driveway and sit there with the lights on. I couldn't see who was in it, but... I knew that it was him, and shortly after that, everything just stopped. I remember thinking how crazy it was that he had done all that and then just disappeared. A year, maybe two years later, I was sitting at home watching the finale of American Idol. It's funny the little random details you remember when something significant happens, and the phone rang. But the caller ID said it was coming from a correctional facility confused i answered it and it was a collect call from you can guess who i honestly couldn't believe it and i obviously didn't accept the call and i just hung up and i never heard from him again i did eventually tell my parents about this years later and they said no wonder you were so scared to be alone i should have told them at the time i know because it could have escalated much further than what it did this story actually mirrors a similar experience I had a year ago too, one that I've shared elsewhere. I really do wonder if there's something about me that attracts these types of people too after two occurrences like this. One lapse in judgment can lead to situations like these. Also, before I forget to mention this, one of his harassing phone calls was particularly creepy because he called me and he described how he saw a dog get hit by a car on the highway and the whole time he was just kind of laughing to himself. Not in a way that was just intended to scare me, but he was laughing like he genuinely found it funny. Which leads me to believe that this person was an 
absolute psychopath. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. So let's go all the way back to when a friend and I were around 14 years old. This was in the days before the mass adoption of the internet, and so a lot of time was just spent outdoors after school playing around with friends. Where I'm from, it would get fairly dark early in the winter, and the house I grew up in had a fairly large plot of land surrounding it, which is where this story takes place. So, a game that my friend and I really enjoyed around this time was to play hide-and-seek using a torch, a flashlight for US readers, to help find the person who was hiding. My parents had this fairly powerful one that we would sneak out of the house with and then use in the game. The person seeking would close their eyes and count to 50 or so, and the person hiding would run off into the night and try to get a spot where they wouldn't be easily found. The big rule of the game though was that the person seeking had to keep the torch on at all times and the person hiding was discovered if illuminated by said torch. It made for a fun game of cat and mouse and where you could know where your seeker was and use this to your advantage when repositioning. But of course, they could easily spin around quickly and cast a large circle of light over the trees or whatever and catch sight of your white shirt or sneakers. It kept us entertained anyway, and I guess my parents thought that it was nice that we were doing stuff outside, although it often ended up being fairly creepy and late. But this one time, it was my turn to be the person hiding, and I headed down to what I felt might be a good spot, uh, way off towards the far boundary wall of the house. The property was encircled by land, but beyond the low stone wall surrounding it were other houses with their own bits of land. It was very dark away from any other house lights, and in this area there was an old abandoned hut that was falling apart, long grass, and a few trees, and a large trench that was deep enough to stand in and disappear below ground level. But the obvious place to hide was either under or inside the hut. The door was locked, but it had no windows. Though, for whatever reason, I felt that this was too easy this time around, and I took the chance to get down into the grass just close enough to the ditch that I could slide into it if needed, but keep my head up to watch for the approach of the lamp. But nothing happened for a long time too, but I just had a feeling that someone was close by. I glanced off to the side and caught sight of my friend. Only, he wasn't using the torch that sneak. He appeared to have his hand over the end of it so that the light wasn't coming out, or he had maybe turned it off or something and was keeping his hand near the button in order to snap it on again if he needed to. Clearly though, he'd got annoyed that the light was giving him away and I was avoiding him when really he'd just been looking in the wrong place. The land available to us wasn't that vast, but basically, if you were smart, you could use the threat of the moving spot lamp to force the person to move and just listen out for the sounds of that, gradually pinpointing where they must be. But no, my friend wasn't doing this. He was trying to do things the easy way and get one up on me and probably try to give me a jump to boot. And well, I wasn't going to let him do that. So I slid into the ditch. And now, I was going to be very hard to find without shining that light down into where I was. Particularly with the hut acting as a great distraction. 
I decided not to even try to get away since I couldn't watch for the light to see which way he was looking, so I just stayed there very still. Annoyingly, despite my very clear hiding spot, my friend got closer and closer, and even closer to the trench, brushing through the grass in a very deliberate manner and seeming to have a good idea of where I was. I waited for the jig to be up, trying not to move. I still didn't see any flashlight, and then after what felt like forever, my friend walked right by and just kept going. I still didn't move because I really, really wanted him to never find me because he was cheating. And it was only when I saw the light way off back towards the house that I climbed out of the ditch and started to look back the other way. I eventually got caught and in the debrief after the round, I told my friend just how close he had gotten to finding me in the ditch. And he looked slightly concerned. Uh, dude, I didn't go up that way, he said. I laughed as I thought that he was messing with me. Yes, you did, I replied. You were covering the torch trying to catch me out. And I'll never forget his face as it lost some of its color. Ah, uh, dude, that wasn't me. I don't think we ever ran back inside of a house as fast as we did in that moment. I still have no idea who it was down that part of the property in the dark that night, or what they were holding in their hands, and why they seemed to be searching for someone, probably me, despite very much so not being invited to play our game. All I do know is that after this, we never really played hide and seek down there again. These events transpired between last September and December. In September, I moved into student halls, which is university accommodation, which is eight people with a room each and shared living space and a kitchen. Everyone was great, and we had great freshers week, and we didn't even notice that we actually had a nightmare living amongst us. Adam. Adam was the oldest of our flat. He was 23, and we were all between the ages of 18 and 19. There were us three girls and five guys. Adam is a great looking guy. He wore expensive, trendy designer clothes and was always very well groomed and he was the life and soul of our flat parties and was always the first one to the bar whenever we hit the clubs and stuff. So, two of our flats were very flirty with each other, Adam and one of my flatmates called Jennifer, and they always had this flirty banter and always chose each other whenever we played Truth or Dare or one of those types of student drinking games. They were obviously into each other, but Jennifer said one night that she got this weird vibe from Adam when he was drunk, which another one of my flatmates, Callum, also picked up on. In early October one night, we got together as we normally do on a Friday night to do a few drinking games and then hit the students' nightclub as most students do on a Friday. Adam does the normal thing and gets everyone their drinks and then as the night goes on, a few of us notice that Adam is buying shots for just himself and Jennifer, which isn't normally what he does, but whatever I guess. It gets to 2am and although we have all split up a couple of times and we do when we go to smoke outside and stuff, we notice that Adam and Jennifer aren't anywhere to be found and we can't get in touch with them. But another one of my flatmates tells me to chill and they've probably just hit it off with each other because they've been flirty for a couple of weeks now. The next morning I'm taking some laundry to the laundry room and Jennifer comes out of Adam's room, looking like she has the worst hangover that I've ever seen. 
She claims that she remembers nothing of last night and is slightly concerned that she woke up in Adam's room. Jennifer has everything until she tries to get into her room and finds that she had actually lost her car key to her room. They search Adam's room high and low and can't find it anywhere, so we put it down to her losing it and she has to buy a replacement card. And this is where things get creepy. Now, there's a lot to this story, but I'll just include the major things for time's sake. So Jennifer has one hell of a busy schedule in university and is out mostly all week. And over the weeks, she finds that some of her items of her clothing are going missing. Mainly underwear and gym clothing like sports bras and stuff. She's messy and her room is very much a tip, so she kind of puts it down to just being messy Jen is also a heavy sleeper, but one night she does half wake up and notices that her door is slightly ajar, which is weird as it takes a keycard to get into someone's room, when the door is locked that is. She does have sleep paralysis, so she kind of puts it down to night terrors or something, which she has occasionally. But there's this one night that she awakens to a figure at the end of her bed. But, like the other time, she puts this down to her sleep paralysis again and thinks nothing more of it at the time. Jennifer continues to get really strange vibes from Adam when we're drinking and making creepy passing comments about Jennifer's physical appearance. But Jennifer is creeped out when she reveals that she's going on a coffee date with a guy from her course. Adam doesn't say anything about this, but when she's on her date, Adam is coincidentally in the same coffee shop as her and her date. She gets the feeling that he was watching her for the entire date, which made her really uncomfortable. But when Jennifer asked why Adam was in the coffee shop, he just replied with, Because I felt like it. At the time, I didn't see why Jennifer saw this as such a big issue, but later on in the story, I see why she was so concerned by this. Jennifer's night terrors continued, but personal belongings were going missing now too, and one of these included a locket containing a picture of her and her deceased grandmother, which upset Jennifer quite a bit, and she was now very suspicious. So basically, she has suspicions that someone has access to her room, and she does suspect that it's someone in her flat. And yes, the only one that she actually suspects is Adam. But Jennifer then tells me that she actually wants to put a camera in our hallway to see if anyone is accessing her room, especially at night, and comes up with a ridiculous but a pretty genius idea. But one of our flatmates is a cyclist and he has one of those helmets with a GoPro on it. So one night he leaves his bicycle and helmet in the long hallway of our flat with the GoPro facing down the hallway on record. Jennifer and Adam are in the opposite rooms at the far end of the hallway so the GoPro is in great position at the end. For the first two nights of doing this, there's really nothing to report, because the battery just ran out. But on the third night, her suspicions are confirmed. Adam actually has her keycard, which Hall's office told her got deactivated when she got a new one, but that clearly wasn't the case, as he'd been getting into her room and watching her while she slept. Again though, she's a very heavy sleeper, so she barely wakes up. We're now in December though and getting close to Christmas break and Jennifer makes a report about Adam but Adam has very rarely been seen lately and after about a week of security knocking on his door, they finally open up his room to find that it had been emptied, as if someone had left in a rush. But some of the things that were found are really disturbing. 
Jennifer's missing clothing items are found at the bottom of the empty wardrobe. The candid pictures of Jennifer are there, myself and the other girl in our flat, Rachel. Empty whiskey bottles are littered around the room, as well as small drug-like bags are found in his drawers, some still containing drugs as well. And a flash drive is also found. And we were never informed just what exactly was on it. But we were told that Adam would be getting kicked out for this, and the police were going to contact him. And since then, we have never seen Adam or ever heard what actually happened to him. But it certainly has been a harrowing experience for all of our flat. Mainly Jennifer, though, who is now very careful with who she trusts. We still don't know exactly who Adam was and what he was up to, but we have some pretty good theories. And I'm guessing that you probably get what they are. So my friend David has lived in this house for about five years now. My other friend Brent used to live there too with him with a few others. David lives in this house alone now but we're all friends and visit a few times a week. And Brent used to tell me all the time about just how haunted the place was but out of the four years I've known him I've never really seen anything so I just kind of wrote it all off. One night, about a year ago I'd say, Brent and I were house-sitting for David while he was out of town, feeding the cats, watering the plants, and just hanging out because we had nothing better to really do anyway. I went downstairs to pee because Brent was in the bathroom upstairs, and as I walked back up, I felt something touch my shoulder and I fell down. It wasn't a grab, but it was kind of like a, a shove almost. I convinced Brent to go downstairs with me and see what the hell that was or if it was just a coincidence. We left the lights off because I thought it'd be more fun and could potentially see something and just kind of sat there in the dark on opposite ends of the room. The basement had no windows and it was just one big open room with a bathroom and a single bedroom that went off of it. Brent sat by the staircase and I sat all the way opposite. We hadn't sat there for more than five minutes I'd say in silence when... I saw an orange light manifest on my side of the room and fly just all the way into the bedroom and turn the corner. It was about seven feet in the air and I, obviously terrified, launched myself off the ground and on my hands and feet barreled toward Brent. I said, did you see that? And all he said in an extremely calm voice was, the orange light? Yeah. Upon seeing this, we made our own makeshift Ouija board and sat in that room. And, in no time at all, we were getting responses. I've known Brent for four years and it's easy to say that he's my best friend. He had no reason to mess with me and is extremely trustworthy. He's a ride or die kind of guy. But, we got an alleged spirit coming through named Ham. We asked if they were initials and just got a no. But then, the cat launched out of the room and I asked, can the cat see you? And again got no. All of the responses were misspelled, but easy enough to figure out what they were supposed to be. And the following is what happened. So, I asked some questions and they went like this. How many of you are there? And we got the answer of 15. Do you know my name? And my name came through. Do you know my dog's name? And yes, my dog's name came through. Do you follow me home? And then it said no. 
And then I asked, Ham, what do you want from us? And it said, Run, demon. And you bet that I flew out of that basement as fast as I possibly could. But one last spooky thing happened on the way out though. I had my radio on as I was backing out of the driveway and the signal cut out multiple times until I hit the street. Now, I know that that could have been a coincidence, but it has never happened in my car before. Also, I've never seen Brent that visibly shaken, especially from the house that he lived in for years. Because he stayed at my house that night. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared Podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. So I, I know you've got a lot going on, but remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening, because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better, because it can bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7.